Hi, Danny. It's Prep Yosa. Yeah. Wait, what is that? It's a podcast about being awesome in disaster situations <laughs> or in all situations, which means that you're well practiced for when a disaster happens to be awesome. Mm-hmm. But before that, just really nerdy. <laughs> Super nerdy. Nerdy enough to sit in a basement and talk into microphones about something we don't know anything about for funsies. We're learning. <laughs> and we, hopefully other people out there are as well. Absolutely. This um this past week, speaking of being a total nerd, for the maybe second time ever, I opened up the Finney Ridge like neighborhood newspaper. Mm-hmm. It's called The Review. Okay. PNA community begins here. And I opened it up and it's like a bunch of things like you know, like what classes are happening at the community center and like the little street fairs. Yeah, just neighborhood news mm-hmm. stuff. And the main article that was in here is about the mega quake. Oh. What, when, how, and what to do. Um, when, is, when did this come out? This came out like last week. It's the spring 2018 edition. Okay. And it's, I mean, it's a hard-hitting article. They're like... Stuff's going to happen. But Mm -hmm. my very, very favorite thing about this and why I wanted to, like, bring it to you because my new philosophy is in here. Okay. This was, you know, he hit up a couple of, you know, neighborhood. They're actually the people who run the hub, the Finney Ridge hub. Okay. He So he interviewed the couple. And he's like, okay, what's your, like, final advice for this? And this was the, like, final advice. Stash your basement, meet your neighbors, carry five gallons of water in your car. And live your life. That's it. That's okay. the whole thing. You just do those things. <laughs> that's like that's I all do you have got. water in my car, right? Five gallons. No, but some. Yes, that's pretty good. And a life straw. Awesome. So you could do more gallons anytime. Yeah, just drink whenever I want. Just wherever you're going, you could just pull <laughs> over by the lake and be like, "Don't worry, folks. I've got to get a slurp." Out of the the Lake Union. They're like, uh, that's raw sewage. <laughs> what are you doing? They're like, you're literally I'm peeing. Like, it's into a life straw. <laughs> it's fine. Okay, what was the other part? Have five um, gallons of water. Stash your basement. I think, you know, just put your supplies. Uh-huh. Like, you know, shore up. Meet your neighbors. Which yes. you do really you do a great job at meeting your neighbors. It's only because of Nico. I do a really poor job of meeting my neighbors. Yeah, I didn't know anybody until they moved in, or until Nico moved in and introduced me to all my neighbors. Because <laughs> like, he's, oh, we like he's these always, people. They're he, pretty cool. He's like walking around, like smoking his cigar, like being <laughs> super charming all the time, peeping on our fire making, yeah, <laughs> and judging us. I love though that he never tried to like tell us what to do. Yeah, he just like he just like watched it happen yeah. and was supportive. I mean, and nobody wanted to get near me that day. He did laugh at us a little bit, mm-hmm. just a little bit, while he was smoking his cigar. Yeah. If you haven't checked out that fire-making video, it's pretty great cinematic <laughs> genius there. There is going to be part two because we are going to do the bow drill. Like, we're going to make it happen. Yeah. 
We just needed to be nicer outside so that we can be like, hey. It's getting there. It's, you know, it's still light out at 8 o'clock so we can do some bow drilling after Lily goes to bed. Ooh. Yeah. I know that sounds romantic, right? But mom doesn't want to do that when their baby goes to bed. <laughs> we definitely don't want to practice. sit on the couch and drink wine. <laughs> um, yeah. And, then and live then your life. Live your life. Just don't make it all about this mega quake. Yeah. Just live your life. I thought it was really cool, though. And it I does... don't remember being interviewed for this article. <laughs> I mean, as local celebrities in the... I feel like he would have reached out to be like, excuse me, there's a lot of important things that you have to say. Uh, but yeah, it is... I feel like... Uh, what is the kind of kind of like law of nature that once you you start talking about a thing, you see it everywhere, hear it everywhere? Uh, it's not Murphy's Law. That's the first one that comes to mind. Because <laughs> that's if it could happen, it will happen. Okay. Um, Peter's law. That's our Peter's problem. That's where you'll be. You'll be promoted <laughs> to your highest level of incompetence in life. Oh, for work. That's not it. Wow. I'll figure it out. I'll okay. figure out what it is next time. All of our fans, why don't you write in? <laughs> I want it actually posted. I want it handwritten and posted to me. Yes, with a stamp. With a stamp. And also a short letter about your feelings. So (laughs) (laughs) we're going to talk a little bit today about... So since we did our last uh, episode, we talked a little bit about going to some of the Office of Emergency Management's classes that were all around the town. And there's, I think, one every day. (laughs) There were a lot of them. We attended two of them. I mean, I attended two. Lex attended one with me. Although she was kind of the superstar of the class. Yeah, kind of. And I felt up a mannequin. (laughs) I mean, I think there was a spark between the two of you guys. I think there was. I mean, his mouth was just open the whole time. Like, she's so beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I I could see. I could see the. Never felt this way before. (laughs) The drool on the side, like. I can't. I do have a traumatic brain injury, but that's fine. Um, So, yeah, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, those classes. The one that uh, Lex and I both went to was the uh, OEM's book club. Spoiler alert, not a book club. (laughs) And there was one guest who was unaware of that. More on that later. One of the attendees. They were funny. Uh, so they do this, you know, that you have to use a lot of, we've talked about this before. I mean, so it's so interesting when we talk about it, but sometimes when <laughs> other people talk about it, it's kind of boring <laughs> to talk about emergency management and prepping. And a lot of people think that only weirdos are preppers. Um, it's so, not true. So the, it's, it's slightly, it's a little true. It's, it's half, like a little true. half true. We're bringing people in. Like, look how cool it is to be a nerd these days. Very cool. So this is like next level nerd, mm-hmm. you know, like if you're, you're into just... Star Wars and superheroes, coolest kid on the block. <laughs> and that soon, wasn't always the next, case. The next, po- <laughs> the next thing that's going to be the coolest is the people who are prepped because we'll still be yep. alive. So the <laughs> so the OEM the OEM has to come up with a variety of ways to like lure people in to kind of think about 
and put any kind of effort into disaster preparedness and so they do it with books they do it with <laughs> yeah that's what the cook they're like so people who prep are super nerdy let's put a book club <laughs> with the nerdy preppiness but look at the cool kids in there that worked there were so many people at that club there were like 20 some odd people yeah there was like a good a really good group of people there and i think that we're like proactively involved in the class like most of the people were like actively listening yeah danny and i were sitting in the peanut gallery section <laughs> Hey, I was the woo girl of that class. I cheered and clapped. You were the only woo person in the class. (laughs) You cracked the first joke and I was like, oh no. I was like, I should have known. It was was very exciting material. I enjoyed it. And I wasn't the only woo girl. What about that guy who was like lived all over the world and he had like interesting things to add to who was in class. our row but on the other side oh he so still so the peanut funny. section still the peanut. yeah i think it was the peanut row, row the peanut gallery <laughs> row he was awesome i love Where that dude does that phrase come from the peanut gallery yeah i have no idea you should look that up oh whoever's writing in about the, the like, <laughs> do an extra google search <laughs> do an extra google search write it out for us handwriting only yeah and tell us yeah, where so peanut gallery Danny's came from. Danny's the woo girl in this class at the public library in Ballard. <laughs> <laughs> Cracking jokes yep. as our lovely instructors led us through not a discussion about the book, which was The Road. Right. So this book um, was the, was the uh, office's connection to training for urban survival or apocalypse, worst case scenario, survival. Yep. Which I did read The Road, For and sure. that is... And it's awesome wee. because you had not read it before. No. And I, you haven't, it doesn't and seem And I like watched you, about 10 minutes of the movie and was like, uh-uh. Not doing it. Not doing but this. But Mortensen's super hot. Yes. But it was not, nice to read the book and imagine him. I bet you spent a lot of time imagining. <laughs> it took me two days to read it. <laughs> um, has it been a while since you got to do recreational reading? Because I feel like you're always like doing your schoolwork. Uh, well, I'm taking a quarter off, so yeah. I don't have homework now, which is awesome. So <laughs> you give yourself other homework. Yeah, I read The Princess Diarist. Remember, we talked about mm-hmm. that. <laughs> um, and so I finished that. And uh, actually, I didn't finish that, read this one, and then finished that one because I was like, I need like a little bit of happiness to read <laughs> because my next book is The Handmaid's Tale. <laughs> Yay! 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 <laughs> I want to read The Hands Made Tale, too. That show's really great. Mm-hmm. Um, do you want to talk about a little bit about The Road? I I read The Road probably a decade ago, but it put a solid imprint on my brain. I'm sorry. You didn't read the book again for the book club? Uh, no, I'd already read it previously. <laughs> wow. And I know I'm a bad person. Wow. I feel like I remembered enough to have a discussion if I needed to, but I did not need to. Mm-hmm. But essentially the storyline is that you you don't really know what's happened. You, it, the, world, the whole world feels, feels kind of like a nuclear, post-nuclear war. It feels like what that's what's happened. Mm-hmm. It's kind of just like nothing is edible. There's all of these rainstorms, like acid. Are, How old do you think the boy is? I don't know, like se- seven. 15? I thought he was like seven or eight, but I'm also like trying to remember. I think it would be more dramatic if he was younger because he goes through so much. Yeah, I would say about seven. Yeah, so like, he's born after whatever the event is. Right. So it's been at least seven years since his event, and everywhere this 
boy and his father travel is black. Uh, it snows everywhere. So it's a nuclear winter, right? Yeah. I think it's nuclear winter. Yeah. Um, and there's not... People want to eat each other. Yeah. Kill you. Cannibalism. Nowhere like, is safe. Everyone is starving to death. So there's no water. There's no food. So the, you know, most... A lot of people have died... Most everyone is at a point in survival where they are desperate. Like everyone is extremely desperate. Um, and like the anything that was easy kind of supply wise has all been used up. And there's, you know, they're trying to the 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 beginning of the story is that they are leaving their home and having to set off on the road to try and find somewhere else to live and be. I didn't realize that it started with them leaving their home. It felt to me like they had been on the road for a while. No? Regardless of the point. Point is they're traveling, trying to travel to the coast because it's supposed to be warmer there, he thinks. Um, And along the way, they encounter cannibals, um, injuries, weather. um, It's interesting because they find... Like questionable food, so there's a lot of like them talk. Like he's constantly gathering supplies. Like mm-hmm. he's con- he's in a constant mode of looking for stuff that they could use. Yeah, and a big part of that was fire. So right. that like every night they have to make a fire or they will die. Yep, and that was a huge part of the presentation of OEM or one of the rule of threes. Like you can't survive three hours without. Heat, right? Yeah, Yeah, without heat. Yep. Um, And so that wasn't something that I kind of realized or would have thought about. You know, I have like my space blanket and stuff, but really a reliable way to make fire um, is pretty important. It is. And those, the rule of threes that he's had, it was three seconds in a dire situation like a bear you might disaster disaster situation like a bear has is running towards you you pretty much have three seconds (laughs) three minutes without air you can go three minutes without air or in icy water or yeah three minutes in icy water you can go three use the example of the titanic yeah (laughs) (laughs) that was one of the highlights of the class she's like yeah, you know how they had that big monologue? No, they would have been dead a long time ago. And Danny and I are both like, share the wood. <laughs> Just let them get out there. Share, share the wood. <laughs> Peanut gallery. Yeah. Okay, so. And then we just, we did an aside of a little Celine Dion, and then class went on after that. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so three seconds, and then three hours without warmth, and then three days without water, uh-huh. and three weeks without food. As long as you have water, shelter, blah, 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 As long as you have those other items. As long as you have everything else. And shelter is kind of As long as you're not in front of a bear. Yeah, as long as a bear is not. Well, I mean, what if it's like. I got all this food. What if it's like a friendly bear? Like, like, have you ever seen Jungle Book? Yeah. Isn't he friends with a bear? Smokey the bear. Right? Coca-Cola bears. (laughs) The Coca-Cola bears are definitely not nice. I mean, they're all starving, so. That's all we got tonight is a bunch of wah-wahs. It's my life. (laughs) 
<laughs> the story of my life is I want want Um so also some of the other things that I really liked from the book club call it book <laughs> not editing that out. <laughs> book club was the- the lady, Johnson was there. The lady who came in late and then very honestly, <laughs> like we're like an hour and a half into it, what is supposed to be an hour and a half class, and very honestly is like, so this isn't a real book club. <laughs> she raised her hand and says, so at what point do we talk about the book? I thought this was a book club. And her husband's sitting there like, I don't know. She probably made him read the book. And my thought was, I agree. I busted my ass to read this book. (laughs) I honestly But you busted your ass so you could read the book so we could talk about it, right? That's right. Did you really think we were going to talk about it at the class? Like, a little bit. Or at least say, like, at this point in the book, I thought it was going to be more like, hey, they had to get warmth, so here's how you do it. Hey, they had to find food, so this how this is how you would do it. Oh, that's it. a cool way to structure the class. That's kind of how I thought it was going to be in my head. And the more I went through the book where, there, where he's swimming in the ocean and going through the boat, I mean, I would have thought it would be more fun and engaging um, for the people that read the book, Danny. Well, I read the book 10 years ago. Yeah. There's a statute of limitations on that. (laughs) But having like more of a, more of a comparison of things in the book, you know, what would you use in an urban setting? That's kind of what they left us with. Like when you leave this class, look around when you're going to work or on your lunch break or walking your dog, if something happened, how would you use these things in an urban setting to create shelter Fire, where would you get food or water, that sort of thing. But the number one thing I learned in that book is always look for a bunker. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Always find the bunker. Yeah. Go and into never the woods. leave there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think what you should do is create a mini presentation on all of those items about the road. And then we go to the next hub drill. And we set up our own little booth as volunteers. That would be awesome. And are like, hey, this is some nerd stuff. Yeah. Over here is our po- apocalypse plan as based on, we'll essentially do all of the OEM classes, just mm-hmm. but like as if we thought of it first. We could bring <laughs> all of the items to make an urban shelter. So we could say, here's what OEM gave us. They gave us this handout that was like how to create a shelter out of basically leaves and some sticks, but we could have like a, some urban items around there. Sure. Like how would you create a shelter? Yeah. And then people but we put it together. also could just take them to any of the homeless encampments in town. And that be was like, something that I thought so much about. I was like, they're basically <laughs> teaching us how to live as like a so many people in our city already do. For sure. The shelter that she was talking about is like a wilderness survival shelter, yeah. which takes hours and hours and hours. Yeah. Honestly, if you're in an urban situation, you're going to find a tarp. And the point to which she was making, you want to be in like a burrito roll in the tarp. Not like, like a sleeping bag. Not like setting it up like yeah. a giant overhead tent. Although no that's Harry good Potter too. tents up in here. Uh-uh. <laughs> or just have a sweet tent. Like I have a sweet tent in my... So like if I'm in an urban setting, I'm going to go and either get my tent or find someone mm-hmm. else's tent. Or still a tent from a homeless person. Yeah. Because they have a tent already. But 
Yeah, that thought crossed my mind more than once during the presentation. That you would fight a homeless person for whatever they have? No. Because they already... <laughs> Back to my previous statement of... Never mind. Lex, I definitely think you could take a homeless person. I don't like, know. If if Lily was with me, yeah. For sure. Like, get away from me. <laughs> <laughs> but only in a disaster situation. Any situation. <laughs> Any situation. Seriously. It's weird. <laughs> Something happens to your kid and someone... Like, even if it wasn't their fault, I'll look at them and be like, what? Like, someone I don't know. Like, obviously, my friends aren't... Like, they look sideways at your kid? Yeah, what was this? And you're, like, in their face? Yeah. <laughs> That's survival instinct. For yeah. those, Just to remind all the people who don't know Lex, she's, like, a miniature version of a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> I am a honey badger. <laughs> perfectly proportioned. Perfectly proportioned. Oh, thank you. Just in small. <laughs> Maybe a little bit more junk in the trunk than the normal. I, I mean, in a good way, though. Well, yeah. In the best of ways. Yeah. I'm working on it. Obviously. <laughs> uh, and then at the OEM <laughs> club class. Speaking of junks and trunks. We talked about... <laughs> Having, um, so we talked a little bit about water, different ways that you could have water. One of the things that I really liked, um, that she had was her, like, uh, she always has this like Nalgene bottle. That's mm-hmm. a little miniature survival kit that she essentially takes with her on the train every day. Yeah. And, uh, which is her point, like in a disaster situation where now she has to walk home and, you know, whatever, that little, the, her little kit, you know, you could empty it out. You could get water in there. She had water filtration tablets. She had basic first aid stuff. Um, it was just like a she really. She had water. She had some food. Yep. Um, she had a whistle, a compass, something to write with. Like I, I went up there and I looked at it and I was like, oh, you can fit a lot of stuff in here. And her bag was also quite small I would say for sure um so one of my big takeaways was I have to reduce the volume of things that I have so I have my backpacking backpack packed up with my stuff and Lily's stuff to be fair but yeah um I don't think I think you should have an additional one I don't think you should actually downsize only because you have to have that stuff for Lily yeah but have you changed out any of the stuff for Lily, like the extra clothes and the diapers and things like that? We're at that point now. Oh, awesome. Yes. Because we have a lot of food in there that she would eat when she was a baby, but now she can kind of eat whatever. Right. So I would take all of that out, and that's a huge weight and um, volume that I can take out and reduce. Perfect. Yeah. So... I'm going to do that and then change your clothes out. You can replace all of that, like, stuff that you took out um, and put just a cookbook in there, like how to cook a young meat. Bottle of whiskey. (laughs) Bottle of whiskey. (laughs) What? No. The worst part in that book, if you have read The Road, they barbecue a baby. He sees a pregnant woman on the road and they They, come across their camp later. They actually purposely impregnate women just for them to to grow food, to eat the baby. I'm like, that... That crossed my mind, and I was like, who's dumb enough to wait nine months for that? Yeah, but people who have been waiting, people who have been starving for four or five years. Ugh, that is... 
And they probably don't wait for nine months. Yeah. They probably... It's really yeah. terrible. It's really gross. I hope that we're not so grossing you guys out too much. I hope that you can give up your obsession with eating babies now. No. That's like it came from there. It didn't really come from there. What it really came from is in the 1990s, dead baby jokes became a thing. That's true. I remember and, that. Like I literally had a book, and probably like maybe like 14, a book of dead baby jokes. And they were like gross jokes, yeah. dead baby jokes. Like, what's worse than a dead baby in a hot tub? I don't know what. A hundred dead babies in a hot tub. <laughs> what's the difference between a truckload of dead babies and a truckload of bowling balls? I don't know what. You can't unload bowling balls with a pitchfork. Ew. <laughs> Ew. Okay, this got dark real quick. <laughs> okay, um, I'm just saying I blame the 1990s for all what of my problems. What else did we learn? Um, I really liked, um, so the most of the class was um, done uh, by uh, one of the OEMs, uh, what is her title? Um, they're like training and outreach training people. and outreach professional so melanie who did this she did a great job i feel like she did a great job of like being engaged with you know a very rowdy crowd especially there in the peanut gallery <laughs> One of area those was <laughs> on its way out a little intense um but it was great she had such a variety of knowledge my one thing about the class in whole is that uh, they're almost too expert like all of the subjects that they were hitting on like Water, shelter, survival packs, all of those are really their own classes. And sometimes they were trying to give too much of a depth of knowledge in too short of a time period because they were trying to cover so many subjects uh, at one time. But, like, I think she did a good job of it. Mm -hmm. You know, I just think that uh, when you know that much on a subject, sometimes it's easy to go down a rabbit hole, you know, instead of kind of, like, moving to the next mm -hmm. thing. Um but she was awesome. She was very engaging. And then yeah. there was another uh, outreach person, Tay, who she kind of was the one who talked about the bathroom stuff. Yes. Which and she really... made that awesome hipster slideshow. She did. She made the <laughs> hipster slideshow. And also, uh, like, she was really funny the way that she kind of talked about the whole um, kind of uses of buckets, uh, which also I'm going to talk a little bit later about another class that I went to. Um with a volunteer named Anne, but they, you know, I think both of them were, I think this year there's been kind of a more prevalent subject has been the whole thing with how to save your, um, or how to deal with your pee and poo <laughs> because <laughs> like the more times we how have, old am I? why am I laughing at that? We, <laughs> pee and poo, pee poo, poo pee. <laughs> um, because especially with things happening like, uh, you know, Houston and stuff happening this year, like in, we're in a major metropolitan area, one of the hardest parts of recovering from the uh, disaster is getting sewers back up and running. Ew. Ew. And we've Ew. talked about this before. We've, we love to talk about poop. I mean, we're happy <laughs> in person to just like get deep into the poo talk. Just like poo talk it up. Ooh, here, um, poo but there. essentially, I think the, the to bring it down to the basics, it's nice to have, if you can, pee in one bucket, poo in another, because pee you can kind of just like disperse, um, whereas poo you need to have 
bagged up and essentially wait for it to be picked up. Yep. <laughs> Keep your poo yeah. to yourself. This is a good reason to go buy a bag of kitty litter. Right. Keep that in your bug-in stuff. Um, or there's a chemical agent that you can buy that turns your pee to solid. Yeah, but I think that's unnecessary when you could cast your pee out and just it's pretty like, cool though. It is pretty cool. If you do want to see your pee as a solid, it up. it's like a little gelatin, like a pea pie, <laughs> a little <laughs> urine pea pie. Like it's so <laughs> gross. Why would you do that <laughs> for funsies? You still make mud pies as an adult. You still like go out every once in a while. I'm sorry, and, like... is it an apocalypse? <laughs> I didn't know that people weren't into pea pies anymore. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think a good way is just maybe put it in your neighbor's pile and then you don't have to have poo in your yard if it's always in your neighbor's yard. I think, is that something we can like make fire out of? No. (laughs) It seems like you should find a way though. I think you should change, completely change your avenue of study, go into deep into the sciences, find a way to sprinkle something on poo that makes it into a magical Fire log. Poo log to fire log. That's the name of it. (laughs) We really need to get off of this subject. (laughs) (laughs) So then uh, that is not what Tay talked about. (laughs) Tay talked about. She did say they make me do this part because I am pate. Yeah. The pate. (laughs) (laughs) Peanut Gallery joined in with that joke for sure. And no, then Ivan cool. talked a little bit about uh, urban maps, and I think, you know, mm-hmm. he didn't get to talk for very long. I think that the big things to know uh, that he kind of talked about is if you're not that familiar with using a compass, always know that there is a declination. There's amount of there's a, uh, amount of degrees that – so where, you're, where the compass is pointing is magnetic north, which is not true north. So if you're trying to use a map, there's actually a little thing in the key that tells you – how many degrees you should be off from wherever you're pointing to make mm-hmm. it true north. And then um, uh, turn your map so that the direction you're going is at the top, if that makes sense. Yes. I think that was a big thing. And then the other thing is that uh, there's Google a Maps bunch of... has destroyed people's sense of direction. Oh, for sure. But that's the other great thing is there's a couple of apps that actually work offline. Uh-huh. That you, so you just kind of download... Your map, it like which I it? did every seven days or something. You have to read. Uh, it was twenty nine days. Twenty nine. Yeah. Twenty nine days. It expires. Yeah, I downloaded this map, so you can go to Google Maps, and in one of the menus, it says download map, and so it will give you a whole map of Seattle. So I think like whatever made your city. One of the other women in the class said, "Yes, I I found this out in Europe. So if you don't have Wi Fi all the time and you're abroad, you can when you do have Wi Fi, download a map of an area and then use that to navigate around offline. That's data. really cool, and it's yeah. super cool. But you have to remember to do it every <laughs> twenty nine days. Uh, and then, so you know, it, definitely we've been ruined by Google Maps, but the fact that we can use that same technology to help us. Mm-hmm. Now it's not going to monitor your every direction right. the way, you know, it's not going to navigate you, but mm-hmm. as long as you can like at least zoom in on what streets go around, like if a, if a bridge is missing or mm-hmm. if you need to get to a certain area, they do talk a little bit about how things will not look the same as they usually yeah. look. 
that didn't really hit me. Uh, he said that if you give your directions based on street names or landmarks, those things may not be there when you need to get home right. or when you're trying to get anywhere. So 80th Street or Market Street, that street sign might be fallen down or... Yep. Go to the troll under the bridge. Oh, it's gone. <laughs> well, the, yeah. So like imagine like, yeah, a major intersection like that, all of the poles have fallen down into a huge pile and mm-hmm. every building has collapsed unto itself. So you can't go Like that all way. of the sudden you're like a little bit lost wherever you are. So they recommend knowing like how many blocks, you know, mm-hmm. like if you're, if you're close enough between your work and home. Being able to be like, I go 10 blocks north. Or look on your map and 12 count. 12 blocks west. And then you can count and go. Yep. Yeah, stuff I didn't think about, but. It was really cool. I thought that they did a really good job. Like, I was fully engaged the whole time, even though really I was just dreaming about chicken wings. Because <laughs> we did go out and eat chicken wings. And it was after. great. And I Leaf came the- with us. So I asked Danny if she wanted to go out afterwards. And he go- she goes, is it okay if I bring Leaf? And I was like. Leaf's coming to this thing? <laughs> what? No, he just met us there. He was already at the bar. But I did learn that he did go to a class he the did. Saturday before. Yeah, so the weekend before, we went to uh, the one of the basic preparedness classes that OEM does. And it was uh, hosted by uh, a lady named Anne, who's a like a superstar crazy volunteer she was a medical or a military nurse and so military people right I they're so good and thank she you for was your service and um, let's hang out <laughs> yeah she was also like also super engaging like really cared about the subject even though she probably has done this class now like 50 times <laughs> she still like cared about it yeah. and that class was fairly small there were only a few of us uh but i will say because it was why. a smaller class i think it was the first day it was sunny out oh. like it helped that leaf and i rode our bikes there right like yeah. we had gotten to go outside and be outside and okay. we were we were riding our bikes around all day um and so the yeah there were only a few people and I, and maybe that's just the way those classes are like it's hard to get people to do yeah. this, you know. So like, really, you know, one of her big points is the more that she's educating other people, the more the higher chance of her surviving. Because <laughs> the less you yeah. have to take care of other people, the more yeah. time and effort you can put into your own survival, and then comfort, and then you know, like all the things that go with you having yeah. the time to spend all of your efforts on yourself and your family, rather than being like. At your neighbor's house, cutting down trees out of his house. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, whatever it is. And that was what Melanie and Ivan and Tay said, too. That, yep. A, they love telling people about this and helping educate the public, but also it's going to help their job. It's going <laughs> to help their jobs be easier in a disaster. Absolutely. They, I mean, they said in a major disaster, like, they essentially would be expected to be at work for, like, 30 days to never leave, yeah, like never not going work. home, not seeing their family. Like Get that overtime. <laughs> so much <laughs> overtime. So much overtime. Uh, so some of the things that I really, so Leaf came with me to this class. Uh, he, it was really great for him and to also interact with him in the class because 
Her focus was initially on earthquake disaster, which makes sense because it's the it's the most likely major disaster that we're going to have in the city. So just like earthquake proofing your house, like the, the first kind of step for preparedness for people who are kind of overwhelmed with this idea is just to walk through your house and figure out what is going to fall on you because uh, most injuries in an earthquake come from things falling off of shelves and off of your walls and hitting you. Mm -hmm. You're more likely to suffer a brain injury or a head injury from things falling down than the ceiling falling you. Yeah. The ceiling falling on you is not as much of a concern as like just percentage wise. Mm -hmm. And Leaf said that one thing he learned was don't like get in a ball and don't look like right. don't cover your face. Look around you and like see if something's going to fall on you. Right. So you have that awareness so you can get out of the way and let Move. instead of like letting that TV fall on you or, Absolutely. or something fall in, on the desk and collapse on you or a piece of the ceiling. That's it could you know, be that could happen too. Yeah. And if you are um in bed, even like just putting a pillow on your head, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. Like over your head and that sort of thing can really help. But uh that part was like really, you know, like it like it was a, the um little presentation she had, I felt like was really good, how it kind of bopped through the kind of earthquake stuff. And then she went through uh, a couple of other things that we've mentioned a few times that are kind of like the centerpieces of the OEM's uh, kind of education around uh, disasters, like the very base, very, very basics, which is how much water you should have and where you can get water. So she did talk again, which they also talked about at the book club, about your hot water heater. Like, do not mm-hmm. forget that the hot water... Do not thirst to death with 40 to 50 gallons of water sitting 10 feet away from you mm-hmm. because you do not realize <laughs> that it is full of water. Mike wants to change to a tankless. I mean, that's a constant. Then store more water elsewhere in your or house. Or just keep the water. Yeah. <laughs> just keep, you know, like, there are, there's efficiency uh, things. Like, if you're really uh, interested in energy comfort, conservation, there is. But, it, you know, there is that whole side that it's there mm-hmm. in a survival situation. Uh, but she talked a little bit about how to disinfect water, which we've talked about here before. Boiling, bleach, iodine, um, whatever. Like, making sure that you have uh, something around the house to make sure that you're cleaning water. Mm -hmm. And then they also talked about it, like I said, at the book club. And then she... It was nice that they gave a handout that had the exact... For sure. uh, ...solutions for bleach to water. Absolutely. Yeah. And then... um, Don't get the scented kind. Do not get scented anything for your survival kit. Because not only can you not use bleach for other things, you could use it for cleaning your poo stuff yeah but uh but then it's not duly useful but then also uh it deteriorates faster oh i didn't know that so like soaps and detergents Mm -hmm. and blah 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 blah. apparently if they're perfumed yeah another little tip for your survival put feminine napkins and tampons in there great for uh, injuries patching wounds uh, bullet holes stick a tampon in there keep it from bleeding yeah. We should try that out. But don't next get the time, scented kind. Next time we're bow drilling. Yeah. Whoever doesn't get the fire started gets shot. Okay. And then we have to treat the wound. Yeah. But we need a gun. Okay. And we also need to be willing to shoot each other. 
That's a high bar. But not like other people, only us. So like you would have to shoot me and I would have to shoot you. Oh, <laughs> not happening. It's What if we were doing it at the same time? And Let's then get that mannequin who, from the first date. <laughs> we'll just practice. Uh, there is an amazing photo that I took of Lex having a special moment. <laughs> when I say that she was the all-star of the book club class, I mean, she volunteered herself. I volunteered her. Yeah. I did not volunteer <laughs> myself. I, I was pointing at I, you. I literally pulled the, like, pick up her arm. Like, as she's fighting me, I'm, like, pushing her arm up in the air. Yeah. And we're making in third her third grade. We're, we were total third graders the and entire time. And I went up time. there, and she's, like, explaining what she wants to, me to do. And uh, there's this little first aid book there or is it about pets it was a cat it was cat first aid cat first aid and and danny made a joke about why are we learning cat first aid shouldn't we <laughs> i said learn I human said, first I said, aid i hate to judge your survival kit but i think a human first aid book might be more <laughs> and she useful. and the and melanie was like what and i'm like do you want me to ask her to leave i can ask her to leave <laughs> I was not asked to leave. In fact, an agent found me and signed me before. (laughs) We knew she was coming. (laughs) Uh, So anyway, Anyway. also, (laughs) uh, Anne's class talked a little bit, which we didn't talk about in the urban disaster because it was more like apocalyptic, like you're moving Mm -hmm. kind of like initial disaster things. Um, we went in depth again about how to shut off things at your uh, mm-hmm. house. So, like, how to shut off your gas. This was a how hot debate at Wings after between Danny and Leaf. It I was. thought I was going to need to like give him a little moment or something to figure it out. She almost did have to give us a moment. In that moment, <laughs> we would have kissed and made up, but we didn't have to because we simmered down. I think I played a really good mediator you there. Did. I was like, I think Danny's saying this and Leaf is saying that. You think I'm exaggerating? You're this both is right. exactly what happened. It was what happened. We were both right, but he wouldn't listen to me to know that I was just as right as he was. I was like, I think you guys are saying the same thing, just a little bit different way. <laughs> we were saying two different things, but... We weren't, they weren't contradictory to each other. Right. So the way that we, we were Leaf talking saying, to each other was as if it was in contradiction, but it wasn't. And Leaf, because Leaf was saying, don't turn off the gas at your house, the main gas. So, right. So, it, no, it was don't turn it back on. Oh, don't turn it back on. Yourself, right? Yes. So, like, one of the things that Anne talked about was, because we we definitely, learned, first thing in a earthquake situation, if you're at your house, go and turn the water off that's coming into your house. Because if there's any damage to the uh, sewer system, the sewer sewer pipes and water pipes are laid side by side with each other. So if there's any damage to those pipes, there will just be raw sewage also going just in your water. Just mixing it up there. So the sooner you can shut off your water, and you can easily turn it back on, but the sooner you can turn it off, the less likely your water is to be um, contaminated. Mm-hmm. So, And then that's that much more water that you have available to you. Uh, so as soon as you can do that, Anne's advice was, and in the past we've been told, and then go shut off your mm-hmm. gas. So shut so, off the water at the source, like yep. your water main, and it, then run outside and turn off your gas. For sure. But Anne said different. Anne said only turn your gas off if you actually smell gas 
because most people have like this thing where the city the city has to come and turn your gas back on or your utilities provider right. has to come and turn the gas back on and part of the reason that that safety feature exists is because and this was my point if anything in your house had been on that uses gas once you open it back up you you could forget that you need to go light that pilot light or like if you your example was a fireplace you have a fireplace that does not have a um automatic shut off yeah. if gas stops going to it um so if you turn that back on you could gas yourself to death cuz you're like not right going to get it turned back on and then you're lighting a candle and then you blow everything up like a Nicolas Cage movie yeah lighting a candle <laughs> they also both groups said do not light anything on fire yeah like don't start a fire and i was like then why did we learn all that stuff <laughs> <laughs> maybe afterwards they're saying just not yeah, like in the, the first initial post disaster yeah stay warm but don't light anything on fire including candles because a lot of what happens like in a disaster you're already like discombobulated and then all of a sudden you accidentally light your house on so fire. That's why you get those flashlights and solar powered Lanterns. lamps, whatever. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um hint here, I'm going to burn some candles. I'm just saying. <laughs> I need some sweet, sweet romantic ambiance light when I'm like, I knew the disaster this was might coming. Be our last time. I knew disaster. <laughs> just sitting here in my like <laughs> Belief in myself and my decisions. That LED flashlight isn't doing it for you? (laughs) It is. I mean, in addition to all of my things that I have. Um, And also, I got a checklist for both Lex and I um, that she provided, which was called the Resiliency To-Do List. And a bunch of it is stuff that we actually already have done. I think the major things that I haven't done are the... um, Downloading the texting app that allows us to the it's called Fire Chat or Bridge of Fire or Chomp, which is it's the zombie one. I have the zombie one. Like there's a zombie one. I tried to use it the other day and they were like, Nobody's here. It's like, oh and you're like, but I need okay. it. Okay. So essentially what those apps allow you to do is they kind of use other people who have that app as repeaters. So if there is no cell phone service, you can still use um texting to use other people's um Oh, the other thing that I really liked that was it, tell me if you heard this, because now I can't remember which class it is. Um, So we talk a lot about having your out-of-state emergency contacts, like the people who you're going to call, and we've talked about this before, for whatever reason, if your cell phone's working, it will be easier for you to get a call out out out-of-state than it will for you to get a call out that's 10 blocks away. Um, And it's because of the way that the towers are going to be in use, and so you're just more likely to get a message out like that. Um, they mentioned that when you call uh, your whoever your joint contact is for your family um, to make sure that there's always a time stamp to your messages. Like you, when you write a text message, you should always say, I talked to so-and-so at 3.05 p.m., and they were fine, um, because that text message may not actually get to the recipient for mm. hours and hours and hours. Oh. So just saying like, I just talked yeah. to Lex doesn't, doesn't that mean, like, could have been hours ago. Yeah. So, and they may have gotten other messages that kind of gets them mixed up because they might think that you're in different places or whatever. Uh, so 
uh, she just mentioned like always have a timestamp. Like interesting, you know, like both for your phone calls and when you are able to receive calls and you're transferring messages to other people. For people who can't see me, I'm holding up multiple yeah. fake phones. She's like, as if I'm, I'm talking like, on this one, and then I'm over here. And yeah, then I'm as here. if I have like hotlines that I'm like picking up like ten phones at a time. <laughs> well, when we get that ham radio, I'll have my cell phone. I'll have the ham radio. Can I sidebar? I'll have the yes. Of so course. I did that whole project on ham radios. Oh my gosh! Yes. Okay, so are we going to do a whole episode on ham radios? I think we should. Yes. I think we need to find Tim again. And Where have is him. Tim? I don't know. I think I found him on the uh, ACS website. Oh, nice. Um, anyway, uh, so if you didn't know, I'm doing my master's in communications, and this class was about history and media and technology, and so I did my final project on ham radios, the history of ham radios. What a nerd. And it was really cool. I'm not going to give all the spoilers away right now, you guys. You're going to have to wait for that episode. We are taking our fangirlness to the next level. Um, We still don't know anything about how to ham radio. I seriously don't. I did find out that there's a... uh, What's that? Don't worry about it. Are you thirsty? <laughs> there is a uh, repeater, which is like a, a technology setup of ham radios that amplifies uh, signals. So you can send your signal to the to the repeater, and uh, like a moderator there can accept several signals, and you can have a conversation. So there's people all over the Puget Sound who have their ham radios talking into this repeater. And so people, so you can listen to it online, which I did for about three nights in a row. Sometimes it was just nerd. like two hours of like, nerd. <laughs> this is a message from the repeater at 107, blah, blah, blah. And nothing for like another 20 minutes. <laughs> what but one time, nerd. Yeah, but one time I uh, logged on and listened in on a conversation of some guys um, that were talking about bike riding. And so it what? was interesting to have this like window. Were they strangers or did they know each other? Um, it seemed like they know each other. They knew each other because they were talking about bike riding and someone was like, oh, you weren't able to go that far, you know, a couple of weeks ago. And one person was rehabbing and starting to bike ride again. And so they were making references and conversation about like their progress. Oh, interesting. And hobby, you know, of bike riding. And it just was so interesting to me to look into ham radio. There are ham radio podcasts. I will send, I will post the link, <laughs> Ham Nation. <laughs> but it was such a cool opportunity to see this community in action that there are people all over the world that are ham radio operators and you can, you know, sort of reach out and connect with someone halfway across the world for no cost other than this badass technology setup you have for your ham radio because <laughs> that's definitely part of this hobby, but the part that I really loved was um, all of, you know, looking at big disasters, 9-11, Katrina, recent ones, Harvey, Irma, Maria, how the 
community puts out a call to ham radio operators. There's this disaster. We need communication support. People volunteer, like 300 people just drop what they're doing and they travel to the area or they somehow provide their resources to help people without, you know, telephone, cell phone service to communicate with their loved ones outside of the area. So you could go to like our hub here in Seattle and you could send messages if it was really urgent, you know, at first, it's going to be those just city, just really emergency, em- yeah, yeah, emergency. Yeah, we can't. Yep. Um, but eventually, you have people, and like not just the people there, but other ham radio operators that would set up um, hubs. Basically, they can they have these antennas. They could set up a hub and be a communication source for that. So it was just like a really cool again, window into this community that is just really interested in technology and communications and community and just helping people. And (laughs) it was so cool. And I'm like, I'm definitely getting my license. Everyone gets a call number. Huge nerd. Call letters. (laughs) Huge nerd. And they all talk like, this is Alexis Holzer, W9712, calling in. I bought it. I think yeah. even though you, you haven't learned yet. to Walter, blah, 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 November, November. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it was pretty cool. I just want to point out that no one has to watch the movie Frequency. Yeah. We already did I it for you. That. Don't mm-hmm. do it. Yeah. You don't have to do it. Although it is the so. only major movie, I think, that's a, directly about ham radios. We should make a new one. <laughs> we should make a new one. Feature link. <laughs> On our phones. Uh, that was such a long sidebar. So <laughs> I do have news for you for mm. your nerd your nerdness. Okay. Uh, April twenty eighth is the next uh, wide scale hub drill. Oh, that's soon. Yep. <gasps> we got to get the word out. So I don't know if our I don't know if the Loyal Heights one is going to be. We need to volunteer doing it. Uh, but they are definitely doing it in other parts of the city. So, yeah, we should definitely volunteer. No, we should set up our own tent and be like, listen. <laughs> Let's try to be a look, part of it first. Look, listen. <laughs> Let's not, you know, repeat <laughs> mistakes from the past. Like showing up and being like, this is, what? What is this? No, that was you. Again, that was only Lex who was like that. <laughs> and yet you felt so bad about it. <laughs> I showed up. No, I felt bad about the way that we that we discussed it that's what i'm saying we should go and volunteer and just be like we're here to help we're one of you (laughs) i feel like i showed up being awesome and i was like listen i will pretend to be deaf and pregnant (laughs) and that this small person is my wife who is having a heart attack no i was the husband you were the wife (laughs) i guess we were both wives Um, yeah. That's so, so exciting. April 28th, there's another hub drill, which is kind of the larger scale ones. They have a bunch of like ones that are smaller. And, uh, if you haven't listened to that episode, uh, prior to this, what they do at the hub drills is it's essentially a chance for the volunteers to, and the organizers to practice all of everything is done purely by volunteers. There's not a sink. There's the city is not organizing this, although the city supports it. And the city might like join in certain aspects of it. It is entirely volunteer, organized, produced, run event. And essentially, they the one that we um, 
The hub that we were at last time had a tent with a with ham radio operators who were kind of like working on an earthquake drill. So doing a fake kind of like exchange of information, uh, you know, kind of a fake uh, shutdown, like all communications are shut down except for, you know, and then like, you know, only gas leaks are being responded to yeah. or only, you know, like they kind of decide who gets to talk at whatever given moment. Um and then also for the volunteers to practice their kind of like how to communicate with a variety of people, how to let the neighborhood know like, hey, this is a place for you to come and offer things. Like if you're like, hey, help, I, tools. yeah, tools, like help, help with pets, mm-hmm. um, food, food water. water, whatever it is. Um, it's less a place to go and ask for things except for like go for medical help, go for all of that. Uh, but it's not, there's not going to be anyone from the city showing up with like a bunch of supplies. Yeah. It's more organizing within the neighborhood and kind of being a part of your closer community uh, in a time of disaster where there's not going to be that much access to government help. Mm-hmm. So those first one, two, three, four, five days of a disaster. That's why you got to prep yourself. You got to prep yourself hard. Mm-hmm. How are you feeling about where you are in your general preparedness? Um, pretty good. And I think about it more often, like when I see a free flashlight at a swag table. I'm like, I'm taking that free flashlight and I put it in my bag. Melanie had like four or five flashlights in her bag. I'm like, why not? <laughs> she did have a bunch of flashlights. Why not? Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but really getting my car bag up to speed, like I have the basics. Now it's sort of, what else could I have? Picked up a two and a half gallon jug of water at the store yesterday. That's pretty so cool. So I'm thinking about it more frequently. I'm feeling good about it. I think the communications plan is still a struggle because I don't know why. Right. Of having a plan with your family that's been like, defined and real well constructed because you know mike's in redmond and you don't know if a bridge is going to be out can we communicate i mean the plan is call his parents on the other side of the country right and start figuring it out from there right get home to lily link up with kevin and that's the plan yeah but I'm like, what meet are the me specifics? At Loyal Heights. Yeah. Meet me at Loyal Heights at some point. Yeah. <laughs> no, we said we would meet in Lower Queen Anne. Yep. Me and Kevin. Oh, for and if you're downtown. Home. But now he lives someplace else. So we developed that plan when he lived in my neighborhood. Now he doesn't live in my neighborhood. So I got to start over. Who else am I going to link up with? For sure. So, yeah, that's something that like keeps evolving and something you have to like really plan out specifics. I work in Lower Queen Anne sometimes. Now, are you asking me to maybe walk home together? Be a part of your communications plan. <laughs> I'd love to be a part of our communication plans together. <laughs> um, I think that I feel like I notice way more often when I'm not prepared. Uh huh. Like we were uh, driving just like two hours away, like not even very far away, not that long ago. And we had a little tiny conversation, Lex and I, where I was like, all right, I have snacks and some uh-huh. water, but I don't have any like uh, tire chains and like you know like we had just kind of like a little like check mental checklist of like mm-hmm. what was in the car. Yeah, 
And then I was like, nerds. Yeah, so last weekend we took... (laughs) Last weekend we took Lily to the mountain, and we were going to go skiing for a little bit and then go on a hike. And so that was a good opportunity to say, okay, what's in the car? If we got stuck, what would we have? Uh, Where's my first aid kit in my car? I dug that out of the seat, put it in my backpack. So I think just going out and sort of practicing without actually practicing, but having a situation where hey, maybe I should think about this right now. And then you're that much more prepared in the long run. I do feel, uh, I, I really love that Leaf went to that class with me. And I'm so showed, proud of him. Right? And then he showed interest because mm-hmm. for a long, for like the last year, he's just kind of been like, and he's always funny about it, but he's like, that's your thing. Yeah. My thing is to not deal with that, you know? And so... I really enjoyed spending that time with him and the fact that he was like really interested and genuinely was like, you know, like we got home and he's like, okay, like I know that my bag's here. I don't know where your bag, you know, like in like helping him through that and talking, talking about some of the things that are like the things that we talk about less frequently, uh, like the stashing money, like Mm. where are you stashing money? Where are you stashing money? Oh, at your house. I put it all, just all nooks and crannies (laughs) everywhere at Lex's house. (laughs) Is that what you're doing in the bathroom? Just, I put it all at my neighbor's house that's like five doors down from me. Like (laughs) it's all over there. Good. Under rocks and bushes. Just a bunch of gold coins. Just gold coins everywhere (laughs) over there. Really far away. Um, Small sums of cash. uh, I mean, other than the gold coins. Um, So, but we talked about stuff like that we, that we don't talk about very much. Uh-huh. And even, like, I consider that when I'm in the car. Like, do I actually have any cash on me in a situation? Like, I seldom carry cash mm-hmm. these days. So, if you see me, definitely, like, run me down and, like, steal all my cash now. Okay. I'll have at least $7, okay. probably. In ones? I don't know. From the night before? Maybe, like, five. <laughs> From the night before. <laughs> For all my dancing, <laughs> dancing for money. You're so sexy. Uh, so our next episode, uh, we are going to uh, get into the very non-nerdy <laughs> subject. I believe we're going to do this. <laughs> of insurance. <laughs> yes, she said insurance. Um, Lex has a... Uh, and I think insurance, hand in hand, we need to have another PMA conversation because it'll be really hard to talk about insurance. Uh, Lex has a couple of conferences and stuff that she'll be traveling to, so we figured it's a good time to kind of like cover that subject. I'll have access to a lot of actual insurance professionals. Right. Not just Googling stuff. So I'll just try to nonchalantly ask or maybe like <laughs> after the conference at the bar. So apocalypse. Yeah. What kind of insurance does that include? Yeah. Um, but I think there's a lot of nuances. Like you can buy earthquake insurance. Most companies don't sell it, especially in Seattle, because they're like, we don't take on that kind of risk. But there are opportunities to get that um, insurance from companies that specify or that specialize in earthquake insurance. Um like, how should you schedule the things in your house? What do you have if it wasn't, you know, if it was a small earthquake, how would you get reimbursed for that? Or just what are the things to look out for in a policy? So I think that's going to be good. Renters, I think, owners, you're going to learn something. I think if anyone can make it amazing, it's you, Lex. Yeah. 
I think that I will be a dumb dumb, and I will just do my best. Where do you? You should talk to your insurance agent. Okay, I'll try and have a conversation with my insurance agent. The my agent for insurance is Leaf. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take baby steps there. We don't want to scare him away. <laughs> so good. Oh well, thank you for yeah. You know. Yeah, this was a good week of learning together and um, makes me want to get more skills. So we've learned a lot more about stuff. But Ivan, who was like the ex-military or maybe he still currently serves, um, but he was the like most senior person presenting at the book club. And he had a backpack that he said was essentially like a fanny pack. Yep. Like his go bag was a fanny pack. And, but I was like, but he has a lot of skills. So many skills. Like he knows how to read maps. He could do first aid. He could do, you know, he could probably and rescue. stab someone. Yeah. Real easy. Yeah. Like a bunch of ways. Yeah. And know like the best place Maybe to stab him. Just a knife in his fanny pack. We don't know. Oh my gosh. What if his fanny pack is just like a, like one of those little tiny bags of water and a knife? Yeah. But it just made me think. <laughs> Skills. <laughs> skills. It's not about the stuff. It's about the skills. So um, I was really proud of us to go and get some skills. And I'm proud of our skill that is like being ready to tell a dead baby joke within five seconds of the subject coming up. Yeah. I feel like I'm really proud of us. I should have said two babies instead of a hundred babies. <laughs> <laughs> I feel proud of you with your hundred babies. <laughs> but that's just ridiculous. Two is really gross. Yeah. One hundred is like Hundred babies can't fit in a hot tub. Sure, they could I if mean, you put them through a blender. Let's stop. <laughs> <laughs> All right, thanks for listening, everyone. <laughs> Bye, everybody. Love you. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh, slowly but surely, keep surviving. <laughs> <laughs>